When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Hey, welcome back into another edition of the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn State Health. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. Daniel Gallon is here with me as well. This is episode number three, where we're focusing on some recruiting elements, but also just kind of weaving those stories into what's happening with the current team. And Daniel, obviously what's happening with the current team is a huge, huge weekend coming up. Whiteout weekend, first time in two years that these fans will be given that red meat uh, of a whiteout game. And it happens to be against an SEC team in Auburn. That is, by the way, a six and a half point underdog coming into this one with that two-year layoff and James Franklin saying that he's gonna he's trying to get halls involved to get lozenges for for people. I mean I think the the hope for James Franklin and I think the expectation on my end is that this is going to be maybe the the biggest rowdiest whiteout of all time because of all these different factors involved. Yeah I am very excited to see what Beaver Stadium will be like on Saturday night. Obviously, it will be my first uh, whiteout experience, but when I lived in Philadelphia, I had roommates who went to Penn State. You know, I've known other people that have gone to Penn State, uh, family, friends. Everyone has said that this is the type of game that you want to see. This is the game to go to, and and this will be the experience where you're going to see the full kind of, uh, you know, capacity of Beaver Stadium, of the fan base. And to do it against a team like Auburn, I'm really excited. Uh, it's something different. You know, it's not Michigan. It's not Ohio State. It's not even Iowa. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to what we'll see on Saturday night. And, you know, Auburn, kind of a great unknown coming into this one. We'll get into the ins and outs of what we think is going to happen in this matchup a little bit later. But I did want to touch on the recruiting element here. And James Franklin, I believe, saying this week, uh, just the, illustrating the challenge of having to turn, so whether it's kids or coaches or family, you know, having to turn people away from an event like this. And, you know, you've done some preliminary research through, um, you know, who's expected to be there. But I think one of the key themes is looking at 2023 and beyond and the types of players who are going to be on campus for this game. It has a, a little bit of a national feel because this game has a national feel. Definitely. And especially when you look at Penn State's class of 2022, they have 24 guys committed. You know, they're almost out of space. There will be a couple guys reportedly up here on official visits, you know, that could be candidates for those those final few spots. But I think this is where you kind of you turn the page in the next year and you look at those 2023 guys that are going to be up here. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of well-regarded prospects. And this is the type of night that can really sway guys one way or another that either this is where I want to be or, okay, maybe this isn't for me. I think last week in talking about fans coming back to Beaver Stadium, uh, sophomore Keandre Lambert-Smith, uh, who was a, a four-star wide receiver, pretty highly recruited. He talks about being here in 2018 
uh, for the whiteout game against Ohio State. And I think that he said at, at one point, either after or during the game, he turned to his coach and just said, I'm going to commit here. Uh, and it was still kind of, you know, I, I forget where exactly he was in the process, but it was something that you know he wasn't necessarily planning on saying. It wasn't a sentiment he was necessarily planning on expressing, but it just kind of slipped out. Once he got into Beaver Stadium with the 107,000, that's kind of the feeling uh, that that was coming up for him. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe once some dominoes start falling in 2023, you'll hear guys say, yeah, I was at the Auburn game and that's when I knew this is where I needed to be. This is where I wanted to be. So I think that it's a really interesting weekend when you kind of start start looking ahead at what these, you know, next couple classes are going to be like. And especially when you have the type of national prospect, the type of very highly rated guy that is going to be here. Uh, I think that James Franklin and, you know, his staff, they know what they want to do this weekend. And it'll be interesting with the quarterbacks in particular, uh, a couple, you know, Jaden Rashada, who you mentioned from California, number five quarterback, and I think the 23 class and Jaden Davis, uh, Ohio quarterback, Ryan Montgomery, the, it's heavy on national caliber quarterbacks. And I think just the idea of what Sean Clifford does in this game as a real life working example, let's say from Mike Yersich on how far the quarterback position has come in just three short weeks and how far we can take you when you get here. Just see, it just feels like if Sean Clifford has a really nice day, it can be a huge boost to Penn State's recruiting pitch to finally break through and be in pursuit and and land that five-star quarterback some time in one of these future classes yeah definitely i think when you look at the the current class in 2022 you have a guy like drew aller and it's almost like penn state is almost they could kind of backdoor their way into one of these you know five-star type guys you know i think that he's someone that you know he's made it into the top 100 now after being you know kind of under the radar three-star you know back in january february march so you know i think it's interesting when you look at those guys that are here you know, these are guys that have been identified early. Um, you know, Jaden Davis uh, from South Carolina in the class of 2024, number one overall recruit in the 24-7 sports rankings for his class. Ryan Montgomery in the class of 2025 out of Finley, Ohio, younger brother of a four-star in the class of 2023, Luke Montgomery. But he's a guy that, you know, I think he has Michigan offer already. He's already gotten that Big Ten attention. And he was on campus over the summer when he got uh, his scholarship offer. So I think that, you know, you're looking at guys that, you know, Penn State is identifying early. And I think that the hope is that you can make the early impression, get in the door early, and that, you know, this type of game will resonate with guys, you know, over the next couple months and in some cases over the next couple of years as they go through the recruiting process. Let's talk about general magnitude of this game. Beyond recruiting, obviously there's a lot at stake on the recruiting front always, but especially in your event of the year. But I think just with where college football is and where it's going, I think there's a lot of people who are watching with interest to see if one of the upper middle tier SEC teams can beat one of the top tier Big Ten teams. And I think with all the stuff going on with the SEC expanding and the Big Ten, Pac-12, you know, the Alliance talk, it's just, I think everybody's going to be watching to see if the Big Ten can strike a winning blow in the future of college football uh, versus whether the SEC can, can, 
reclaim its dominance in a new way by having an Auburn team that's sort of that's rebuilding under a new coach, but can go into Happy Valley in a whiteout and win this game. I just you hate to be melodramatic about it, but there's a lot of stuff going on here that's going to bring in a national audience for it. Yeah, uh, PJ Mustafer was asked about the kind of the, the conference pride thing last night, and he more or less said that that he didn't care. Um, some guys were asked about the possibility of, you know, of facing an SEC team this weekend. And, you know, they just kind of pointed to that. It's a big game. You know, that's a conference that good teams come out of it every year and they get the chance to play one of those teams. But, you know, I do think that it is a game that has a big magnitude, you know, especially when you look at the reputations of both conferences, uh, especially the Big Ten as kind of, you know, they had the reputation for a while of being the strong regular season teams and then, once they get into the bowl games, once they get into the into the playoff and they face the SEC, you know, that's where you really see the the difference between the two conferences. But, you know, I think that one thing that's kind of interesting is that this game definitely got some help uh, from the AP poll and the coaches poll where Auburn started the season unranked and kind of, you know, managed to to work their way up into that top 25 despite playing, you know, really the dregs of college football in Akron and Alabama State. You know, so it's kind of like, well, what they're unranked. Now they're ranked, but what do they really have on their resume? But at the same time, you look at on the schedule and you see number 10 versus number 22. That gives it uh, a little bit more juice and I think makes it, you know, a little bit more appealing to a national audience. But, you know, to me, I think the thing that makes that adds more magnitude to this game is that it's just something different. Um, You know, an SEC Big Ten game on campus during the regular season. It's not neutral site at Jerry World or Mercedes-Benz Stadium or something like that. You know, I think that it's, you know, it's on campus. You're going to get the whiteout. You're going to get two teams that don't play each other that much. And I think that that's something within college football that, you know, you don't really see that much anymore. Um, James Franklin was kind of talking about scheduling last night um, about how, you know, for a while it was the Big Ten teams were kind of in an interesting position where you play nine conference games which leaves only three non-conference games. And then for a while, they weren't allowed to play FCS teams. So that kind of really narrowed the pool uh, of teams that they would want to play because you have so many conference games, especially in the Big Ten East, which is so tough. So, you know, you want to play some big non-conference games, but at the same time, you have to treat that non-conference as a way to get ready for the season. And, you know, I think that there's there's just so many moving parts when it comes to the scheduling. But just on paper, Auburn has been good or they've had good moments uh, in the past couple of years. They're, you know, up and down and you have Penn state uh, who's trying to establish themselves. You know, they're firmly established in kind of the second tier trying to break into the top tier. Um, and I think that that just creates a, a very fun dynamic uh, for Saturday night. A couple other notes when it comes to magnitude fifth year in a row, the college game day is coming to town. And it's a direct reflection of how they feel about the whiteout. And, you know, the whiteout has has been such a common thing for a decade plus around here. And, you know, I think around the Big Ten and around this regional footprint, it is highly respected. But the interesting dynamic now is that you got a team coming from the South and you have these, you know, a new fan base that is really watching with interest for the first time at this whiteout. This whiteout is typically reserved for Ohio State, Michigan. You don't really get a chance to see a Southern team. Obviously, you don't get a chance to see a Southern team coming up, but it's like, Everybody's like, yawn, this isn't Florida at night. This isn't LSU at night. This is overrated. And there's also just that dynamic of 
you know, the pressure of, of making this whiteout better than any other whiteout and certainly better than last whiteout. Kirk Herbstreet talking it up and saying, I can't wait to get a new video. Like there's just all this stuff at play that brings the, the regions together on this one. No, for sure. And I think when you look at kind of the fact that, you know, there were no fans in the stands last season that, you know, just kind of naturally adds a lot more when it comes to Penn State fans. You know, there's there's no reason to artificially inflate um, anything like they they know what's at stake. They know what they want to do. And I think just by saying, you know, it's a whiteout, that's kind of all you have to do to kind of kick the machine into gear um, and have it going. But, you know, there were one hundred five thousand people at the stadium last week to watch Ball State. And the student section was full into the second half, even as the game was getting out of hand. I think that there's a real desire to be back in the stadium, to be back watching Penn State football. You know, I think that some people might kind of be like, oh, like another whiteout. Oh, they're doing it again. But, you know, I do think that, you know, as someone who can sometimes get annoyed when it feels like things are being overdone or overplayed or something like that, you know, I think the whiteout still feels unique. You know, it's built around the game that already has stakes and then you you amp it up a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, when you see Auburn on the schedule in September, it's kind of like, oh yeah, like that, that's going to be the whiteout. That's going to be the game. And I think that you look at it and it's just fun. And I think that, you know, you see what, you know, Kirk Herbstreit says and stuff like that, you know, I mean, some of it from the university and probably from the network, probably, a, you know, a little bit overhyping because that's their job. You know, you're supposed to market it. You're supposed to bill it. But, you know, I feel like someone like Herb Street that, you know, that's natural uh, when you talk to, you know, I've talked to the other people on the beat about what Saturday is going to be like. And everyone's just like, oh, yeah, like it, it's for real. So, you know, if any Auburn fans or, you know, people from the SEC are doubting um, what it might be like, I'm just going in arms wide open. I'm ready for anything. You, you hinted at this earlier, just James Franklin's thoughts on playing neutral site as opposed to home-and-home home type games. And I think, obviously, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to do that. You would get a chance to play at home. But I think what he was getting at, and, and I think you've made your point clear that just not a fan of, of that sterile, neutral environment if you don't have to, and that's fair. But I think from his vantage point, moving forward, especially with that three-game non-con schedule, the flexibility of making a one-year commitment versus a two-year commitment was at the heart of his point there. And whoever he was relaying that to, whoever he wanted to get that message, he was going through, obviously, you guys, um, was just about, yeah, we got to think with more agility on how we schedule games and think in neutral site just so we can maintain as much flexibility as we can. Yeah. And also with that, everything goes back to recruiting too. So I think when you kind of factor that in, you know, you look at a lot of these, you know, like a place like Auburn, obviously Alabama has some talent. Um, You know, there are some Alabama players uh, on, on the Penn state roster this year, but you know, you don't necessarily go into, to Auburn, you know, as a, as a visitor, as kind of a way to be like, Hey, we're here. We want you to come play for us. Whereas if you play, you know, a game at Jerry world, in, in the Dallas area, or if you were to get into one of those games at Mercedes Benz uh, in Atlanta, you know, some of these neutral site are very fertile uh, when it comes to recruiting. Uh, and it's a good way to kind of get your program uh, in front of people. Uh, you know, when I was a student at Maryland as a senior in 2013, and then when I was covering Maryland for the Baltimore Sun in 2015, 
uh, Maryland, you know, punted on hosting uh, a game at College Park each year to play in Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium. One of those games was against West Virginia. The other was against Penn State. Um, and that was their way of, you know, we want to be in Baltimore. We want to put ourselves, you know, in the region as kind of, mm-hmm. hey, we're here, um, you know, kind of establishing themselves in the area a little bit. So James Franklin is a guy where I think everything kind of comes back to recruiting in a way. Um, so, you know, in addition, you know, the flexibility, I definitely understand that, you know, especially with kind of how far out, you know, some of these home and homes are scheduled, that things can change so much that, you know, you want to be able to kind of uh, adjust on the fly. But, you know, that's kind of what popped into my head when, you know, I thought about, you know, going to some of these places where neutral sites are good places to recruit. Uh, it, it always comes back to recruiting with him and all, all these coaches. Welcome to Curaleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Curaleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Uh, let's talk about the game. And as I mentioned before, just the idea of what the home crowd can do, the advantage that has. And uh, one of the things that we've seen oftentimes is Penn State's defense is the unit that has more energy than anybody else. They're the ones that feed off that crowd noise uh, more than anybody else. And when Penn State has the ball on offense, for example, the whiteout crowd is purposely muted some. So the offense can communicate, which allows the defense to communicate on the other side. It's like a double negative, you know, for, for Auburn, that crowd noise working against them and that Penn state defense amped up the play. Um, Looking at this from the quarterback perspective, the the storyline I've seen, and I wasn't aware of this until this week, but Bo Nix being a really solid quarterback on his home field, but he's had some struggles on the road. And I'm curious to see what a new coaching staff and Brian Harson can maybe do to mitigate that and what they can do to maybe keep him feeling comfortable. But without question, it seems like they're going to try to establish that running game because that's what they want. That's what they believe their path to victory is anyway. It's also their path, I think, to trying to take Penn State's fans out of this game. Yeah, I was on a conference call with ESPN's Chris Fowler this morning, um, and he gave a quote where he said that the whiteouts are always about how the Penn State defense plays. So I think that's to your point that, you know, it's something that the defense can really feed off of, can really build off of. You know, everyone has seen uh, the clip of Michigan calling the timeout before the first play because it was so loud uh, a couple of years ago. Bo Nix is someone else that Fowler talked a lot about today, too, uh, in terms of when you look at his home and road splits, when you look at how he performs under pressure uh, versus when he's in a clean pocket. Um, And I think that that's kind of where, you know, I think Penn State can have a lot of success when you have guys like Arnold Evacati. Uh, and Jesse Lucetta, who've been, you know, in the backfield, um, you know, a decent amount. Uh, we haven't seen Nick Tarburton back there as much, but he's had, you know, some decent plays that, you know, I think that those are the guys where if they can get after Bo Nix, they can make some things happen and they can make, you know, life pretty difficult uh, for that Auburn offense. And, you know, I am really interested to see Bo Nix play. You know, he's one of those guys where he came in, was a freshman starter, had a lot of hype behind him, given his Auburn connections and how he played in that very first game. And it just seems like it's been an utter roller coaster uh, the past couple of years in terms of, you know, you've had these highs that mostly at home. And then once they have to go away from home, you have a lot of lows. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of which Bo Nix uh, shows up on Saturday night. 
a lot of the stuff that I've read about him, it kind of reminds me of Sean Clifford a little bit uh, in terms of the the ceiling that he has, uh, but then some of the turnover issues, uh, some of the struggles. So, you know, obviously it's not Bo Nix versus Sean Clifford. Uh, you know, it's Bo Nix versus the Penn State defense, Sean Clifford versus that Auburn defense. But I think that there's kind of a lot, you know, riding on both of these quarterbacks and in a couple of different ways. Another big factor, I think, is, uh, you know, when it, when it relates to Bo Nix is Penn State's defense's ability to get Auburn behind schedule on, on offense. You know, that's obviously a goal no matter what, but putting Bo Nix in a position where he's got to feel the pressure of a third and eight or a third and seven or something like that, then uh, that's going to come down to, I think, just two, you know, a, a rotation, but obviously two grown men inside in P.J. Mustafer and Derek Tangelo. You know, and the the other guys as well, not only being able to make plays in the backfield, but if they can occupy and keep the keep those linebackers clean, that's going to be a huge part of this for those guys to fill run gaps because I am expecting a lot of Tank Bigsby, a lot of Jarquez Hunter, and probably a good bit of Bo Nix trying to test the exterior of Penn State's defense. So I think just just maintaining discipline and and not trying to do too much, I'm certain that that has been a huge part of practice this week. Yeah, I think when you talk about the running game and Auburn wanting to kind of control the game, um, I think that this is the type of game where, you know, I picked it at 27-24. I don't think it, but I think it'll probably end up being a little less than that. I don't think it'll be, you know, 16-10 at Wisconsin, but I think it'll be somewhere in between just because Auburn is going to want to come into the hostile environment. Uh, I don't necessarily know if Bo Nix is the type of quarterback who can hit that knockout blow you know, on the first or second drive, take the crowd out of it. But I do think that a guy like Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, those are guys that you can lean on a little bit and pick up those chunks, keep the offense on the field, keep the defense on the field, and and then you can make some things happen. And that might lower, you know, the final score a little bit. But I do think that when you look at the Penn State defense, guys like PJ Mustafer in the middle, um, you know, the guys that have the second level and the secondary is that they have the guys that can kind of keep the Auburn offense down. And, you know, the Auburn defense has some some similar type of guys. So, you know, I think that you look at, you know, it is the cliche that, you know, you got to stop the run and it all starts up front. But I do think that this is going to be one of those games where Auburn is going to come in, try to run the ball. Uh, you know, Penn State is going to try to do the same uh, with Noah Kane and Kevon Lee. And then, you know, you'll kind of, uh, you know, feel each other out for maybe a couple drives, a quarter you know, maybe a half. And then that's, I think it'll come down to those adjustments after that. Gameflow, I think you make a good point about how this one could go. I think Auburn would love to follow the Wisconsin blueprint and run, 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 run three, four, five yards at a time if that's what they need to do. So it'll be interesting to see if Penn State's defense has grown or evolved since that week one matchup against Wisconsin where they're able to get off the field on third down. And with that, you know, Graham Mertz didn't have a lot of luck or success being the guy who took those opportunities when they were presented to him. When he was asked to make a play with his arm, he did not make a play with his arm. So now Bo Nix will be in that position where Auburn will have to, you know, in order to finish these drives, like Wisconsin was unable to do, Bo Nix is going to have to make some throws and it's going to kind of come down to, you know, Brian Harson can try to hide Bo Nix if he wants for, for an entire game. But if you're going to finish inside that red zone where I think Penn State's defense 
is foundationally very, very strong. Like the, the way that they've showed up in, in the red zone the past two weeks, I think is part of the identity of this defense. They're, they're going to be strong and stout and tough in those situations. So it's going to come down to what can Bo Nix do on a small field? Um, and can he avoid the mistakes that killed Wisconsin that, that Graham Mertz made? You know, I think it's going to be a really similar script in this one. And if that's true, and if the way, the way you're describing the game is true, I think we're telling people to go out there and hammer the under. Even if you're not sure who's going to win, go hammer the under. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that the Penn State defense over these first two weeks has probably bent a little bit more than than it would have liked to, you know, especially in that Wisconsin game, but it's barely broken. Um, and I think that that's something that can continue uh, against Auburn on Saturday night. You mentioned your score, what was it, 27-24. Those are on... <laughs> Your, your score, along with uh, several others, are on Penn Live as of Thursday. You can go check those out, uh, see how wrong we all end up being. Um, I picked 31-21, and I think the difference in the end is you have an Auburn team under a new coaching staff who hasn't been tested at all, who has only played at home, going on the road. Like the, it, it couldn't be a more stark contrast what they're going to see in week three. And I understand the Auburn uh, tradition. I understand the competition that a lot of the guys on this roster have played. But this team, with this personality, has not played anyone and they haven't played on the road. Now they're going to be diving. They're doing a cannonball into the pool here going to Penn State. And I, you know, I do think that Penn State is for real. I think if offensively they're as efficient as they've been through two weeks. And if they play mistake-free, I think Penn State wins the turnover battle again. I think it's going to be tight throughout, 24-21, and then I think Penn State tacks on a touchdown late, and they win 31-21. So just I'm on the record of saying that Penn State covers and that the game goes just under the the total, which I believe is around 53 right now. Yeah, I ended up doing another sort of cop-out where I have Penn State winning, but but Auburn covering you know, I think that I'm just kind of waiting uh, to see a Sean Clifford performance, you know, the complete Sean Clifford performance where, you know, you can say, all right, he's the guy. This is what the offense looks like when it's clicking against good competition. And then we can go from there because whether you want it to or not, it always starts with the quarterback. Um, and Clifford was good. He's been good since the second half uh, of the Wisconsin game. But, you know, Ball State was mostly a complete performance, but you want to you wanted to see that against Wisconsin, against Auburn. And, you know, I think that he'll get them in the position to score points, but I don't necessarily feel like it'll be enough points to kind of gap Auburn and, and kind of put Auburn down uh, by enough to, you know, to get to a touchdown or so. Finishing drives and avoiding mistakes. Two, I think, big storylines in this game. We'll see what happens. As Daniel Gallon, I'm Dustin Hawkins with coming to you last couple of days here before Whiteout Weekend, Penn State, Auburn, 7:30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time on ABC. That's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown. We'll be back next Friday to do, to do the same thing. And as always, you can check us out: Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube as well. We'll see you again next Friday.